0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 4 says, I must, if you have a, pen or pencil there handy. I want you to underline that one word right there. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Father, we need you tonight so desperately. Lord, we really wish you could stand here behind this pulpit tonight and talk to us. Tell us how we can accomplish the goals that you no doubt have laid upon the heart of our pastor. Lord, you saw fit years and years and years and eons of time ago that in your absence you would call preachers to preach out of the book that you gave to us. And so tonight, Lord, I'm going to endeavor to do that. But I would be so foolish to try without the power of thy Holy Spirit. Please fill me tonight. Give me the hearts of thy people that they might hear. And then help all of us to respond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The beeper sounded. He went to the telephone and called into the office to find out what the central clearinghouse for this courier company had for him to do. They gave an address and said you must go there immediately, you'll pick up a package that's going to be encased in a styrofoam type of a container. Inside that container will be some dry ice and inside the dry ice area is something that we need you to run immediately over to the Wheelock Memorial Hospital. The fellow went and picked up the package, got in his courier automobile and began to drive through town. As he drove through town, he saw some of his recently graduated high school buddies waving at him on the sidewalk and motioning for him to come over and stop. Well, he did so and he said, what do you want? And they said, come on in and have lunch. He said, well, man, I've got, a, I've got this thing to deliver over to the hospital. And they said, look, the hospital's just a couple of miles away. Uh, that, that can wait just come on and have lunch how long could it take he thought for just a bit about how much fun it'd be to spend some time with his high school buddies just freshly graduated and so he got out of his car went inside sat down and had lunch they began to talk and laugh and, and tell jokes and talk about all the things that they'd done in high school and the baseball games and basketball games and football and homecoming And the next thing the man knew, the next thing the young man understood, he had been in that lunch meeting for over an hour. He jumped up and said, somebody pay my bill. They laughed and said, sure, good way out. He ran out and got in his car and drove on down to the Goodrich Memorial, uh, Wheelock Memorial Hospital. As he pulled up to the door the doctors were there just as they were to have been awaiting the arrival of this special delivery but where once they had the mask up over their face now the mask was hanging loosely down around their necks where once the surgeons had been scrubbed and had the latex gloves placed over their hands now the gloves had been removed and no longer were their hands sterile as he walked in the door of the package and he walked in a hurried fashion they looked at him and they simply said one thing. Where have you been? Where have you been? We've been waiting on that package. They said thanks for delivering, but the need for what you have in the package no longer exists. The patient is dead. You know, what we are to embark upon here. Some may say, what's the sense of urgency? Why June 1st? Why the push to pay off the money and pay off the debts and embark upon this new project? And why? I'll tell you why. The night cometh when no man can work. And while we're thinking maybe in 10 years, if we just sort of save and put money aside, then we can do it. I want to say something to you. The Bible says, the night cometh when no man can work. There are several statements found there in verse number 4. Statement number 1 says, I must work. I must work. It always has amazed me that you could rally God's people in droves to do that which took not much work you could always inspire God's people in large numbers to do that which took not much sacrifice but when it came down to the hard work and it came down to the big sacrifice man you just begin to call out the crowd and what is left over is amazing I think even to the Lord sometimes Because we belong to a race called the human beings that do not like to work. We do not like to sacrifice. We do not necessarily uh, just anticipate doing that which is difficult. But we want to take the other way out. But God said, I must work the works of Him that sent me. I remember the first job that I ever had that was outside of my dad, you know, working for my dad and getting a little allowance there. I worked for a farmer at a dairy farm about two or three miles down the road from my house. I went down there, and I did every type of work imaginable. And then uh, during the summertime, he said, now we're going to get down to some real work. And I said, well, what's that? He said, follow me. I'm going to show you guys just once how I want this done, and this is what you're going to do. Went out there in the field, and there he had gone out with a big mower and had mowed down these big, giant fields of grass, And had come by with another machine and had raked them in the rows. And then he was coming by with another machine that picked up that grass that had been raked in rows and was packing it in what they called bales of hay. That hay would then drop to the ground and that's where I came in. We'd come by and pick up the hay off the ground, throw it on the wagon. That wasn't too bad. But then you had the second tier, and then the third tier, and the fourth tier. That farmer asked those of us that were 13 and 14 and 15 years of age to throw that hay eight tiers high on the wagon. And you talk about work. Work. Hot, 95 degrees in that Michigan, uh, humid kind of a weather, and the sun beating down out there, and you're so dying of thirst you couldn't stand it. And then you picked up all the bales. He said, man, we're done. No, you're not. We got those wagons, and we drove them down to the barn. And there was this big, giant, long conveyor thing that went from the ground level to a little window about that big on the top of the barn where it was called the hay mow. Since I was low man on the totem pole for seniority, I got stuck up in the hay mow. And the other guys had been there a little longer and the farmer knew a little bit better and he liked to hold out more and showed an immense amount of favoritism too. Their job was just to take the hay off the wagon and drop it onto the conveyor. Hard job. My job, along with another fella, poor soul, up there in the hay was to grab the hay, run all the way across the barn, stack it up, run back over, pick it up, run all the way across the barn, which wasn't too bad until we started getting one tier and two tiers and three tiers. And then you begin to step in holes. You'd fall all the way up to your hips. You crawled back out of there, ran back there. By this time, five and six bales of hay had begun to stack up, some of it falling out of the hole, back down onto the ground, causing the farmer to get angry. And I was just about to drop dead. And I said to myself, why am I doing this? And all of a sudden, I heard The sound of the reason why. Some stupid, ignorant cow let out a low, moanful, mournful beller. And I listened to that cow, and I, I, I could almost hear her say, Hurry up, bring me more hay. And I sat down on a bale of hay. I said, I'm doing this to feed a stupid cow. I hate cows. I'm glad tonight that somebody ground those cattle up into pieces. We ate them. They got what they deserved. Work! Why? So a dumb cow could chew her cud. God says here, we must work, by the way. I think if it's worth it to work that hard to feed a cow, how much, and I don't want to trivialize this, but I want to get the point across. There is nothing wrong with every one of us in this room tonight saying we must work to get that gospel that's contained inside this leather uh, cover that I hold up in my hand tonight to that lost and dying world while it is day. Because the night cometh. Well, nobody can carry it to them anymore. We can still carry the gospel to them, but I could almost hear the Savior say, too late. Where have you been? Those hundreds and thousands that yet await to come and pile inside of our buildings, they cannot and we cannot afford to wait in order to... They have a three-story education building and only the Lord knows how many more buildings to annex on top of that thing and beside that thing in order to provide a place for them to hear the gospel. Thank the Lord that several years ago, men and women that are no longer even alive today sacrificed. They sold wedding bands and they sold cars and they went out and got extra jobs and provided buildings where a young girl at the age of 10 began to ride a bus to Sunday school and she got saved there. And then that same church went come back and they sacrificed again and began a Christian day school. And that same church came and sacrificed again and started a college. That's where I found my wife Shirley Nugent because somebody said we must work. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I wonder what would have happened to Shirley Nugent had there not been a church where somebody that maybe didn't really feel like they needed to sacrificed so that she got saved on riding some little Sunday school bus and then she went through the Christian school and went to Bible college now is married to a preacher. Why? Because folks just like us sacrificed. It's called work. while it is day while it is day i could not help but think since brother trevor asked me to preach as i thought over what i was going to try to do here there are people seated in this room tonight who may never see the completion of the project. But you know what? That might be me. And I I put over 45,000 miles on my car last year. Who knows? There's no guarantee. "Boast not thyself of tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth." I don't know about tomorrow. But I know about right now. And you don't know about tomorrow. And so don't plan on tomorrow. Why don't we plan on what we can do now while it is day? I was moved to hear one of my preacher friends years ago talk about giving a, an invitation for a guy to go soul winning. Church crowd much like this and Hundreds came forward, and among that crowd, a man came forward that was a real simple kind of a person. Matter of fact, uh, so impeded was this person that he could not even speak so that you could understand what he was saying. He relied much on sign language and writing little notes and, and a little, uh, little uh, elementary kind of, kind of uh, letters, and, and uh, that's the only way he had of communicating. And he tried to talk to the pastor, and the pastor finally went down to him at the invitation, because most others had gone back to their seats, and he was staying there. And he finally said, Bill, do you want to, are you trying to tell me that you want to be a soul winner? And the guy's face lit up like a lamp, and he nodded his head up and down, began to smile. That's what he was wanting to try to tell the preacher. Now, if he could not even tell the preacher he wanted to be a soul winner, how, in the Lord's name, is he going to go out and win someone to Christ? Let me tell you something. That little phrase, while it is day, I like to think of it in a practical application to mean this. Use what you've got while you have it. Just use what you have while you have it. And that fella went out and emptied out the track racks in the church. We got on the sidewalks and passed out the tracks and... And uh, folks, some of them were amused by him because they knew about him in town. And others, uh, maybe were a little bit uh, standoffish because uh, they did not really understand where he was coming from and what kind of an individual he was. When he had saturated the town and saturated the street corners by passing out tracks, he got an idea. This man, who had, by anybody's standards in this room, uh, everybody in this room could have done better soul winning than this man was able to do. But he went outside of town and he found a hill on a major little road that went around the town that he was the one he lived in. It was a road that nobody uh, took to go somewhere in town, just people going by the city. And he got up on top of the hill and somehow he got some folks to help him. And he erected a big giant cross out there and focused some lights upon that cross. So that when you're driving at night, you could see that cross lit up at night. What he would do, folks would drive by and they would begin to stare off and wonder what it was on top of that hill and he stood on the side of the road and he would wave his arms and occasionally somebody would stop to try to find out what he, was his problem and he would walk over and motion for them to roll down the window and he'd hand a tract in. And then he would point to the cross and he'd point up into the heavens and he'd point to his heart and put a big old smile on his face and then he'd point into the car at them obviously by sign language, asking them, have you asked Jesus into your heart? And then he would hand the tract in and wave and smile as they'd drive off. One night a couple that was in absolute turmoil in their marriage had a big giant blowout of the man, told his wife, said, get your stuff packed, get in the car, I'm driving you back home, I can't stand to live with you anymore. So they threw some things hastily together in their in their uh, suitcases and she got as far right against the passenger door as she could and he got as far left against the driver door as he could and down the road they drove with just the radio playing, nothing to say to each other. They came down that little stretch of road and the man looked up and he thought, well, I've driven this road before and I've never noticed that. What is that up there? And he looked and the more he stared, the more it intrigued him and then out of the corner of his eye he saw this guy waving and he stopped the car. Pulled over to the side of the road. The man motioned from the road down the window. He did. The man looked in the window and he pointed to the cross. And then he pointed up to heaven. And then the man pointed at his own little heart. And then the man looked in the window and pointed inside at them and handed them a tract and showed them on the back the prayer that you could pray to get saved. Well, the angry couple sort of looked at the guy and sort of nodded and smiled and Drove on down the road and the little lady was reading what it was. had the inside lights on and the man said, what was that? And she said, maybe you ought to see this. They pulled over to the side of the road and they read that and the man began to cry. And he said, you know what? He said, I think that's what we need. Years passed. This preacher was telling this story in a distant city. Folks lined up to see him afterwards to get their Bible signed and to shake hands and to talk to him. Finally, this well-dressed couple stood there in line. Finally came their turn to talk to the preacher. They had tears coursing down their cheeks. They said, preacher, that man you talked about tonight that had the cross, and he pointed up to heaven and pointed to his heart, and he pointed into the car and then handed the gospel tract. He said, I need to tell you this story, and he told the story I just told you. He said, preacher, I just thought you might like to know that my wife and I now, I'm the pastor of a church in the state of Florida. All because of what that one man did. He did not have a lot, but what he had, he used. You can apply that to anything you want to tonight. You can apply it to soul winning. But in a real sense, you can apply it to what Pastor Treber said tonight. Somebody in this room, a gift of $100 toward this project might be more than somebody else giving $10,000 as far as sacrifice is concerned. But I need to admonish you while it is day. Thank God somebody did it while it was day. And my precious wife is able to sit by my side tonight say having gone to Christian school and gone to Bible college and now a pastor's wife. Why? Because someone while it was day. And by the way, I remember some of those precious folks that stood in line and shook the hands of those of us that came the very first year the Hiles Anderson started. I remember old George Hughes and Gay that stood out the front door the very first Sunday that they opened up the doors and the Bible college students began to come in for the very first time they attended church as Bible college students. And I shook hands with old George Hughes and, Gay, and he had tears that dripped off of his chin and he said, young man, I don't know who you are, but I love you and I'm so glad you're here. I remember when George Husingay died and I remember when Mrs. Clark died and I remember when others that sacrificed died. But thank God while it was day, Though they don't see us now, except maybe through the unveiled eyes in heaven that God may give them, while it was day, they worked. I finish with this statement. I must work while it is day. I don't like this next statement. The night cometh when no man can work. There will come a night in the history of the world when Brother Condit's singing voice of the old-fashioned songs of Zion will grow silent because he will no longer be here. Nothing will be left but night the Bibles that have been preached and used and read and wept over and prayed over will no longer be opened in a gospel service like this because the night will have set in. As a matter of fact, almost sounds sacrilegious to say it, but there will come a time in the history of mankind when not even Christ himself will be able to offer any hope to the lost. The first Sunday of 1991, I was in a southern part of our state. I preached, and in the sermon I mentioned something about having grown up in Goodrich, Michigan. Had a good service. Had 11 saved that morning in the church service. By the way, the church in the entire year of 1990 had 25 saved. We had 11 saved on the first Sunday of 1991. God was so good. I was standing out in front of the church after the service was over, feeling, I don't don't think it was wrong, but feeling kind of like, well, praise the Lord, man. This is great. We, we, We kind of did all right today. A little lady came up to me, and she said, you went to Goodrich High School? I said, yes. You said you played in the sports? I said, Yes, I did. She said, Did you play football? I said, I played football from the time I was in junior varsity in the seventh grade all the way through high school. She said, Did you know Wayne and Vern? As soon as she said their names, man, it called back some memories. We had known each other since sixth grade when I transferred into the Goodrich School District. We used to get in trouble with each other in government class. Government class was held in the home economics room of our school. And four or five of us boys sat in the very back row because just within arm's reach when the teacher was not looking, always was some cookies that the girls had just made the hour before. And cakes and pies and we'd been held after school so many times the teacher said you're not going home until we find out who stole the cookies we didn't care i didn't want to go home anyhow i'd remembered blocking on the line while wayne was the fullback on our high school team and I just always was excited when they called the play to my side of the line and I'd block this way and the and guard would block this way and a, open up a hole for Wayne to run through. And, and Wayne was always running for big gainers and we'd win games off of, off of men like him that were able to run the ball. Going out to eat and stopping after football practice at the local little soda shop and having the real cherry Coke when they used to put in the cherry uh, syrup and mix the Coke together way back yonder. Now my mind raced with memories when she asked me if I knew them. I also remembered something. It was our homecoming night. Study hall arrived and Wayne and Vern, who were cousins, went to the principal and said, look, we, we have to leave a little early today and we forgot to bring our uniforms. Could we just run home and pick them up? He said, sure. They lived just a couple of miles from the school. They got in their cars and left that day and don't know what happened, but Wayne was hit broadside by a fully loaded cement truck. and He and Vern were instantly killed. I looked at the little lady and I said, yeah, I remember Wayne and Vern. She said, they were my cousins. Well, I said, well, how about that? And then she said, you know, I've always wondered. I, I, didn't, I didn't know anybody from Goodrich. She said, when you, she said I, I couldn't wait for you to stop preaching so I could ask you. I said, what's that? She said, did you ever get a chance to tell them about the Lord. On the first Sunday of 1991, I looked down at that little lady and I said, Ma'am, I guess I had a lot of chances. But I never did. She just looked at me and said, Oh, Okay. I stood there and watched her walk out to her car and get in and drive off. Did I have the chance? Yeah. But night came. Night came. I wish you knew the number of times my wife and I have sat together at night, perhaps when we've gone out for a bite to eat at a date night or something. And we've said, you know what? Isn't it great to be on the ground level of North Valley Baptist Church as it's fixing to launch into something that's going to be part of history? More than one occasion I've heard my wife say, you know, I remember when First Baptist Church was just about the size of ours. She said, I I remember the first time that they were really pushing to have 3,000 and 4,000. She said, I was there as as just a young person. She said, "And man, we're here in a church that's just coming down that same trail. You know what? Wouldn't it be a shame for you and I, and I include myself in that statement, wouldn't it be a shame for you and I not to work because somewhere in the ranks of our church and those that will be sent to us are some more Jack Trevers, Wally Davis's, Bus Kid, Shirley Nugents. If we will just provide a place for them to come. I don't want to have the Lord say, Davis, did you have a chance to be involved in the history of that church? Oh, yeah, I I guess I had a chance. Well, did you do it? Well, no. I can testify to you, it's an awful feeling. It's an awful feeling. I must, I must, I must work while it is day. Night cometh. Let's not waste any time. And let's just get it done.